And next thing you know, you're behaving differently, you're becoming different, you become a millionaire in your mind. And once you become a millionaire, then you can have all the things that a millionaire. And a mentor told me at one point, he's like, in order to be a millionaire, you have to be a millionaire. And I was like, what are you talking about? How can I be a millionaire? I I don't have a million dollars. Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. What's up, what's up, Men of Abundance? I am Wally Carmichael, your founder and host of the Men of Abundance podcast, the Pay It Forward community, proving to you that you can, in fact, live a life of abundance in family, faith, finances, and fitness on your way to having more. And listen, real quick before we get into the, to, into today's conversation, I want you all to sit back, take a deep breath, As we get into this holiday season, this time of year is so hard for so many people for so many reasons. Some people have lost loved ones during this time of year, and that is very hard to deal with. I'm one of those. And some of you really put a lot of stress on yourselves because you feel the need to buy gifts and do certain things during the holidays that, quite frankly, has absolutely nothing to do with the holiday itself. The holiday truly is about spending time with family and friends and enjoying each other's presence. And when I say presence, I don't mean gifts. I don't mean tangible gifts that you purchase from Amazon, Walmart, Zales, wherever you buy your gifts from or anything of that nature. It's not about that. It's about your presence, your being, who you are, and living in that moment and enjoying those that time and creating those experiences with each other because ultimately in a year from now by next Christmas by next holiday season those gifts that were purchased chances are they're they're not even memories anymore they might even be gone they might even be donated they might be outdated and replaced it's all stuff But the experiences that you have with each other is truly what is cherished. And just think about it from your own time frame. Think about it from when you were a kid. What were the most exciting times around the holidays? Was it a plastic toy? Was it or was it a some sort new technology that came out? Some new game? Or was it an experience with the people that you love the most in the world? There are certain things that happen in our lives that we have no control over. You have no control over something happening tragic to your loved one. If somebody gets into a tragic accident or somebody gets cancer, gets ill, something happens. We have no control over that. So why stress over stuff like that? You do have control over your ability to enjoy the holiday season for what it is, and that is to spend time with friends and family. It's not about rather not if you can purchase a specific gift for somebody, for your kids, for your loved one, for your spouse. It's not about that. I promise you, those people want your unconditional love, and they don't want you to be stressed out over something as trivial as buying somebody a gift. 
especially a gift that you absolutely know you cannot afford. If you have to put it on a credit card, you can't afford it. So during this holiday season, put all of that into perspective. And don't let this holiday season stress you out because of the trivial commercialization of the holidays. And I'll tell you what, speaking of gifts, the best gift that you can give to me, if you care to do so, is to pay it forward and share men of abundance with others. This is a tremendous gift and has been a gift in my life. And I know it's been a gift in so many other people's lives that's been listening to this show for over three years in over 80 countries, almost 90 countries at this point. It is a huge gift and it is an amazing feeling to give the gift of paying it forward and sharing men of abundance with others. So make sure you do that however you feel comfortable doing so. One of the coolest ways to do this is to take a screenshot of your phone while you're listening to the episode, listening to this podcast, and share that on Instagram and tag hashtag men of abundance or hashtag MOA or hashtag abundance. And if you haven't done so already, you can go to iTunes or your favorite podcast player and leave a rating and review. It's absolutely powerful. I read every single one of them and they push men of abundance up in the search engines so that other people can find these conversations. Now, our feature guest today has been paying it forward by helping entrepreneurs build successful online businesses, get out of the nine to five grind and develop their vision into a reality. He is passionate about showing failing businesses how to change their mindset and dramatically increase their performance. He has overcome the struggles of being raised by a single mom, living off welfare, dropping out of grade 9, couch surfing, selling drugs, and living without people in his life to model anything other than average. After discovering he had the knack for sales, he risked the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, changed his mindset, and found inspiration in his own story that if he can be successful, surely anyone can. You can find out more about our future guest today at jeffhughes.com. Men of Abundance, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Jeff Hughes. Jeff, welcome to Men of Abundance, brother. How are you doing? Great. How are you doing? I am excellent, man. Where are you at in the world? Kelowna, British Columbia. British Columbia. I have not been to that part of the world yet. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's beautiful. Absolutely. So I'd like to start out here with an attitude of gratitude, man. What do you have to be grateful for today? <laughs> everything. I do that every day. Gratitude. <laughs> Wife, family, kids, everything that I have. And what has that done for you, doing that every day, as I have? Um, It just brings you to... um. Well, like the guess way to put the best way to put it is you can't be angry and you can't be sad if you're grateful. It's impossible. Yeah. So it just sets the tone for the day um on on your vibration level. Yeah, for sure. I literally just posted yesterday a, a video of Steve Harvey talking about this very thing and one of the things that he said was joy and depression cannot live in the same space. Yeah, so because he was referring to some lady who was just complaining about she can't find a job and she's getting depressed and all sorts of kind of stuff. So it's been a huge uh, part of my life for, goodness, four or five years now. Uh, and it's definitely shown in dividends for sure. So here at Men of Abundance, we really like to, you know, I, I shared your professional stuff, what you've been doing, and all that's great. And we'll get more into that. But here on Men of Abundance, we really like to get to know the man behind the abundance and get a little bit more personal. So if you would, how would you describe yourself? I guess the best way to put it is somebody who learned 
the hard way <laughs> for a very, 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 very long time. And uh, now I know what my calling is. Um, and it's definitely much bigger than just myself. And uh, I have a mission on, in this world. And uh, yeah, that would be. What do you feel that mission is? To create awareness. Awareness. For? Yeah. First, the first thing for anybody to be able to make a change is to be aware. And what specifically? A word. A word for what? That this place, this earth, this whatever we've been served up is somebody else's idea. And um, nothing can stop you from creating what it is that you want in your life. The only thing that's stopping you is the programs that um, have, been, have been built by you based on the people, places, and the world around you from a young age. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's right in line with exactly what we talk about here on Men of Abundance, which is why I wanted to have you on when uh, Courtney Blair in introduced us. Uh, I looked at what you're doing and it's very, very similar to what I do as well um, here towards the last year of my life anyway. The mindset's been going on for quite some time, but professionally, uh, we're very linked up in, in what we do uh, outside of this podcast. And uh, just real quick, I want to ask you about that. What has been your experience in working with Zippy Content and, and Courtney Blair? Um, well, I just started working with her just recently. So, I mean, so far, so good. Um, getting on all the podcasts and, and getting out here, I know that it's a, a powerful, powerful way to get your message out there. So um, I always find that that's uh, important. People know who you are so that uh, they can listen to your ma message and, and believe it to be true. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I'd just like to give a shout out to Courtney because she has really sent me some pretty amazing people to talk to and uh, share these conversations all over the world. Because at this point, Men of Abundance is downloaded, last I checked, in about 88 countries, <laughs> which in itself completely blows my mind. It's amazing. So I'm able, I'm glad to be able to share your story. And otherwise, you and I would have never gotten connected. We probably never ran into each other like this. Mm-hmm. So one of the one of the questions I like to ask here on the show is that kick in the gut moment because you already kind of alluded to it a little bit. Um, school of hard knots for many years, and many of us have that. Some of those are real kick in the gut moments that kind of take us to our knees, but we learn a lot from those. Many of us do, some don't. But if you would share one of those kick in the gut moments with us and really make us feel that, I'd have to share a little bit of my journey. Are you okay with that? Absolutely. Let's get into it. Um... I grew up in a with a single mom on welfare um, when I was younger, and I wouldn't say that she necessarily had the skills um, to raise a child or let alone even handle herself. So I ended up being quite mischievous, um, really struggled with relationships with other people, was constantly um, looking for validation from other people, whether it be teachers, whether it be people, um, because I just... I didn't feel good enough for myself. I found some solace in sports. I became uh, a sports junkie. I was never really introduced it from my mom because my mom wasn't really into that stuff. But for whatever reason, I became a little sports junkie. I played uh, soccer, football, baseball, basketball, um, you name it. If there was something that I could compete, um, that's what I did. 
and uh, that's kind of kind of where I went to with everything. Um, so I struggled, and by the time I was 15, um, I had enough with school. School just was not anything that um, I considered um, a safe place or a place that um, didn't constantly have judging, whether it's from the teachers or the school system or from the kids. So I dropped out of school, and I went down my first... Uh, first journey of entrepreneurism and I uh, decided I was going to be a drug dealer <laughs> so that's what I did I was on the streets selling drugs in and out of cars Vancouver back to Kelowna to Vancouver Island my mom got cancer so I went there for a little while ended up in Nanaimo started on my construction journey and that's when I very found my first uh, now ex-wife and we started our relationship and she already had a child we ended up having another child, and uh, I started my, my journey of work. And very similar to what I was doing with sports, constantly proving myself, I found that in my jobs. So I transferred from, from showing everybody how good I was in that to sales. And I got my very first job as an assistant manager in the retail world, um, and very quickly... Um, how I showed up everywhere in my life is how I showed up there. I was the best and worst employee ever. I was the guy that gave huge results in numbers, but I couldn't get along with anyone. Mm. And uh, anyways, they moved me up and they moved me from store to store. And they kind of, I guess you'd consider me to be the cleaner, the stores that were struggling. I'd always go in there and bring numbers up. But with that would just be complete chaos. And I kept leaving job to job. And every time I left a job, I'd always get more money. And, uh, I'll share with you many years before that, uh, when I was younger, I always said that I would become a millionaire and I would have a poor black Porsche 911. And I'll share the importance of saying that later on in the story because it definitely has um, a meaning. So I kept working my way up, 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 went through a bankruptcy. And the whole time I'm making, as I'm increasing my income, I, I, I'm spending it as fast as I possibly could. Like, I mean, I was filling myself with as many material things as I could to show status that I was good enough. You know, all the amount of money, everything that I could possibly do. Went bankrupt. Then, uh, and I went bankrupt right around the same time that the the economy crashed in the United States and uh, it carried up up here. And uh, at this point, I left my job. I was selling robots throughout all the United States and... Uh, I had my very first, um, I guess what you would consider to be a uh, peak emotional experience. Me and my ex now, um, were struggling. So we split up and I was on my own and I was going through a lot of emotional pain at this point. I had three kids, two boys and a daughter, and, uh, I didn't know how to deal with my personal emotion. And th the buzzword was personal development. I went to this personal development thing. It's changed me. So I was like, okay, where's the blue pill? So I popped the blue. <laughs> so I popped the blue pill, mm. and I went over and I went to my first experience. And it's funny, actually, just a few weeks ago, about a, a month ago, I actually found my my notes from my very first personal development back in 2010. And so I popped the blue pill. I went over, and uh, it was it was a it was a it was called Landmark Forums was the name of the personal development uh, company. And uh, I went in, and for the first time in my life, there was this thing called. Um, perspective and 
it's not just Jeff's perspective. There's other people's perspectives and maybe mm -hmm. start looking at putting yourself in their shoes and what they're thinking about. And that was fine. I was like, oh yeah, I was going to, I was going to change the world. Felt like a rock star. Everything was the greatest thing in the world. I was going to come back, change the world. Now I knew everything that was wrong with me. And then 96 hours, whatever, 108 hours, whatever it was later, um, the blue pill wore off. And I was right back to where I was. But at this point, me and my ex, we got back together. So my jobs kept going up and up and up. I ended up actually my, my um, last real world job. I ended up getting a job for the Yellow Pages. And uh, they paid a lot of money. And, and how I showed up everywhere else in my life is how I showed up here. Rock star in the sales world made, for me, $150,000 is unfathomable a year from where I grew up with. That was like, I just won the lottery. I could do whatever I want. I bought my my very first uh, BMW, and uh, I remember the job was coming to an end. I could feel it. I could feel that the Yellow Pages was gonna was gonna buy out the company that I was working for was Cam Pages, which was their competitor. They were gonna buy out. So, anyways, needless to say, they ended up buying. And how I was showing up there, I was chaos. I left, and I decided to go on my second bout of um, entrepreneurism. And this time, it was. Um, it was legal. Um, <laughs> I learned a bit about internet marketing through my, my previous job and Google and searches and directories and stuff like that. And at this point, the big buzz at this point was this company called Groupon. So I was like, well, you know what? I can do what those guys are doing. Um, but I had no systems, no processes, didn't know what a KPI was. I just knew that I could walk into a business and make them a proposal and get them to buy stuff because that's what I was good at doing. Anyways, I went to an angel investor and I got $50,000 and I started the program. I started my own daily deals company. And it didn't, didn't take too long afterwards, um, even before a year, where I found that um, what I was doing um, was not making any money. And I didn't have systems processes. I found somebody on Upwork to build me the site. I got lawyers to give, build me contracts. And I still had not, didn't know what KPIs were. So I was struggling and... Years before that, when I was working at the cell phone business, there was a guy, um, for all intents and purposes, we'll call him Joe. He was uh, he was working for Freedom 55, and he used to come in and out and was friends with a few people at the store. And all of a sudden, one day, some people at the store said, hey, you see what Joe's up to? And I was like, no, you should go take a look on Facebook. So curious, curiosity he was killing me, so I went on Facebook, and I started taking a look around, and to my surprise, there's Joe traveling around the world, exotic cars, penthouses, having everything, all this money, everything that I could ever imagine. And the instant feeling that came over me is envy. Mm. He was no different than I was. And uh, from envy went to anger because I was like, I want to be in those places. And, uh, and then of course, then I labeled him as he must be ripping people off and doing bad things to make myself feel good about how I wasn't actually where he was. So anyways, at this point where I was failing at the Daily Deals company, I found out where he was, and coincidentally, everything happens for a reason, he was actually starting a Daily Deals company in Vancouver, of all things. So I hopped on a ferry, we went over and we met and we had a conversation. He showed me what he was doing with the internet marketing stuff, and uh, sure enough, it was legitimate. It was affiliate marketing, email marketing for large companies, and they were paying him money based on his list. So, of course, I was like, well, this is fantastic. I'm like, so what does it look like for me to get involved? Of course, with a big grin in their face and stuff like that. 
they come up with this substantial number. <laughs> it wasn't a small number. It was much larger than the $50,000. And I was like, well, how the heck am I going to do this? And this is my first taste of what a mentor looks like. So, of course, I, I have nothing to lose here. I mean, I'm losing $50,000 here with this Daily Deals company. Let me go talk to the angel investor and ask for substantially amount, uh, a substantial, um, substantially larger amount than what I already borrowed. And, uh, of course, uh, I went to him, and to my surprise, he said yes. Wow. And uh, everything in my life changed from that day. Um, so I, I ended up, we ended up doing it, got into affiliate marketing, and uh, my very first year, we did $1.4 million. And shortly after that, um, within my first year, I guess what I bought, a black Porsche 911 Turbo. Mm-hmm. And so I, I made it. I, I made a first million dollars in my life. I said I was going to be a millionaire, and I bought the Porsche 911 Turbo that I had. But I came back from Germany, with, and my ex-wife was here. We just bought a home in Kelowna. We weren't even, weren't even in for it for a year. And uh, I decided it was time to end our relationship. So I asked for a divorce, thinking I was ready for that. And sure enough, um, she was leaving, going back to Nanaimo, taking all my kids. I had a house here, and I struggled. Um, I went into a deep dive of turmoil, didn't know how to deal with my emotions. And then I remembered about that blue pill, the one that I took years before that. And I was like, where's another one? So I found this retreat that was a week long. It was a group setting. We were kind of unplugged. And I went in there and we started deep diving. And this time we deep dived into who we are and what egos were. And uh, really smashed me a little bit. Um, brought me back to a little bit of reality. I read my first book, John, Dr. John Powell, Why Am I Afraid to Tell You Who I Am? Which is all about egos. Um, and... It seemed like the, the blue pill was lasting a lot longer. And at this point, um, I was getting out of the email marketing and I decided that I was going to start social media marketing and teaching people how to build online businesses and brands and stuff like that. So I got involved with that and I thought, okay, well, I'll just start reading all these books and put myself in personal development classes. And I'm like, yeah, rah, 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 rah. And then I was running three businesses at the time. And uh, the, whole, the whole time I'm doing this, internally, I'm still not okay. I'm pretending I've got this mask on. I've got all these books that I've read. I've got all this content, you know, whatever a man can believe and conceive, he can achieve. And, and uh, you know, who you think you are is what you are, like all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm preaching all this stuff. But internally, I'm not having that same conversation. I'm actually really struggling inside. And December 26th on my 40th birthday, which is two years ago, a little over two years ago, I woke up with double vision. And uh, I couldn't see and everyone that knows me knows that I can't stand Western medicine. So um, begrudgingly, I went to my fiance and I confessed that there was something wrong with me. And we went to the hospital on December 26th and they took me in and I seen an eye doctor person. Oh yeah, go home and if things get worse tomorrow, go see your doctor. So that's what I did. I came home and woke up the next day and my eyes recrossed even more and I had a massive a headache, like migraine. So obviously things are running through my head. I'm thinking maybe I've got like brain terminal brain cancer or something. So I went to my doctor and my doctor examines me and, <coughs> excuse me, he uh, confirms how I believe about Western medicine. And 
he gives me nasal decongestant for my <laughs> cross eyes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, perfect. So I went home. I took some of it, and it does not do anything. So we went to the eye, the eye specialist, and he took us in, and then he immediately called the hospital, the neurologist, and said we need to get him in ASAP. So I went in and seen the neurologist, three spinal taps, um, constant tests, everything. And then on January 11th, um, 2017, they, uh, they, the neurologist calls me in. And, uh, I mean, we're already two weeks into, almost three weeks into um, tests. No, two weeks into, yeah, tests. And he brings me in and brings me in the office. He says, hey, we're going to have to check you in on your 40th birthday. We think we figured out what's wrong with you. Um, there's this autoimmune disease called Miller-Fisher syndrome where um, your immune system is attacking your eye nerves inside your brain. And I was like, okay. And they had no way of like confirming it. They did blood tests and stuff like that. But by the time they send it off, it's, it's, it can take up to two weeks. So they, they immediately put me on eight blood transfusions on my 40th birthday. And it took me three, week, three months to recover. And at this point, I had a big, huge, grizzly beard. I let that grow out. Um, put on a ton of weight and I was struggling this whole time and I completely stopped all my businesses, went into like a deep dive again. But this final time, there was no blue pill I was looking for. Now I needed to know what the hell is wrong. Like, why am I reading all these books, all this stuff? And I say to people, I I give people an analogy that I use. I, I tell people, I say, listen, if you had engine problems, would you ever take your vehicle into a mechanic and ask him to fix your engine and your mechanic looks at you and go, I have no idea how the engine works. Would you leave mm. your vehicle there with him? <laughs> mm. You wouldn't. Well, that's what I was doing, except for it was my brain. I was reading all these books. I was doing all this stuff and consciously, that's the key word, consciously, I was aware of a bunch of knowledge. But I had no context, none. I didn't know how the engine worked. So I went on a journey. I started studying all the books of the brain. I started understanding which different parts do what, how the, how the brain works. And I ended up finding out that 95% of everything you do every day is actually created subconsciously. Only 5% of what you do is conscious. And in fact, between the ages of 0 and 7, 80% of everything that the way I was being was downloaded at that time. So my beliefs were already in place by the time I was seven, seven years old, 80% of it. And I wasn't even aware of it. Because when I, we come out, we're a blank slate. In order to become conscious, you have to create conscious. So the people, places in the world around you, from your parents to the church or wh- whoever you see as your authority, is what you downloaded. So my mom, who struggled herself, um, because of her environment, she was just passing on to me what she knew, which was unconsciously, subconsciously. And because I require to have an identity um, to survive in this world, I assumed what she believed. So between the ages of zero and seven, 80% of everything that you do, be- actually between zero and four, 50% of your beliefs are already in place. And we don't even have cognitive reasoning till eight. So by the, between zero and seven, everything that everyone's saying to me, I'm taking it as fact and I'm downloading it. So any words of, hey, you're not good enough. Hey, Jeff, you can't do this. I'm downloading it and I'm creating that story to myself unconsciously. 
because I, I require that program. So it started making a whole lot of sense to me. I was like, oh, geez. And, and by the time you're 19, the other 15% is in place. So by my 19 years old, or sorry, by 18 years old, 95% of all your beliefs are in place and beliefs drive behaviors. So no wonder I was, what I was doing is because I didn't feel, I didn't love myself. I took that I was unlovable. So I was, what I was doing is, is I was, I was fulfilling that prophecy. I didn't feel like I was lovable. So I was acting in a way to get people to prove or validate that I wasn't lovable. That's what we do. The conversation we have inwardly is how we portray ourselves externally. We can put a mask on for a short amount of time, but it'll never, it'll never work for long periods of time. Put somebody into a stressful situation, you're going to find out immediately who they are because the subconscious program kicks up. Right. So I was like, okay, well, this is fantastic. I'm like, so how do I fix this? So there's three main ways for the subconscious to, um, we've heard lots of stuff, rewire, reprogram, new neural pathways. There's only three ways to do it. So you can go through like major trauma, like a major, major emotional experience that can shatter um, beliefs in the subconscious mind. That can happen. Like what I call like a significant emotional event. Yeah. The, yeah. Another seen, term Another mm -hmm. term is a peak emotional experience. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. But what I found with peak emotional experiences, they don't necessarily last long term um, because I've had them myself and I've seen it from other people. And they can work. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't suggest it to because you usually go through some really bad. Uh, a good example is a near life, a near near death experience. That's usually one that really smashes home. Um, the next one is hypnosis. Hypnosis, which at between zero and seven, between two and six, actually, we run on what they call theta. It's a lower vibrational level where we consume information at a rapid pace. And in fact, when, we, uh, when we're in, in a sleep mode, we're actually in theta. That's why a lot of people say to listen to um, binaural beats and, and different unconscious uh, tapes and stuff like that because we're susceptible to that information at that time. So um, I was like, okay, so hypnosis. But that's between the ages of two and seven. Okay. And the last one's really easy, rep repetition. Whatever the conscious mind sees on a regular basis as being important, so it knows that something's important if you consciously, repeatedly do something over and over again. And here's the thing. Your subconscious mind processes data or information at 40 million bits per second. Your conscious mind only, only, only um, at 40 bits. So it's 1 million times stronger. And your subconscious mind requires this because, you know, if you're in a fight or flight mode, if something goes on, if you're driving, if you had to consciously focus on pressing the gas, pressing the brakes, putting the ticker on, walking, I mean, you, you would die. You would, you wouldn't, you, you, you wouldn't, you'd eventually walk out in front of a car or you'd step off a cliff because you were consciously thinking because you can't consciously think in two different spots. Try it. You can subconsciously do something so you could walk and talk at the same time. But I dare you to have a conversation and then try and feed one of your kids with a spoon. Your kid's going to mm -hmm. end up with it all over his face. So that's why the subconscious mind is important. So whatever the conscious mind is continually thinking about and doing, right? You know how they always say, practice makes perfect. 
Mm-hmm. Because when when we do that repeatedly, the subconscious goes, okay, well, this is obviously important, and let's take that off the conscious mind's plate, and it downloads it, and it goes, this is important in our lives. So in order for me to create new neural pathways, new ways of thinking, I needed to download a new program. So I, I heard about um, doing meditation. I do it every day. I do a 20-minute meditation. Why? Because it, it keeps me in the present moment. It keeps me calm. It gets me out of, the, out, of the, out of the future. It gets me out of the past. It keeps me there. And it also gives me an opportunity to insert new messages in those, in those places of being present. Affirmations. Creating an affirmation. Say something over and over and over and over again. Your subconscious mind goes, that must be the truth. I am's. I am this. Dwayne Dyer's. That's one of his very mm-hmm. common things. I am messages. Speak to yourself. I do it every single day. And then more importantly, um, what's your vision? Money was the biggest thing for me back then. My money, 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 money. And there was no amount of money that was fulfilling. So I needed to have a vision, something to be in contact with my super conscious mind, something that was bigger than myself. Something that when I passed away, um, because when this body leaves, the only thing we think about is the memories of who we are. I mean, do some, do any studying on when people pass away. They don't think about the cars. They don't think about any of that. They think about the relationships and the impact they had in this world. And a lot of them live in regret because they didn't live their life that they wanted to. So what is your, what is your vision? But there's a, there's a, there's a thing that goes with creating your vision. And it's a struggle at first. Because your subconscious mind wants to take over when you're creating a vision. So a vision is things that will fulfill you, that make you happy, things that aren't even a job, something that you're going to impact this world. But what ends up happening is, and this is one of my favorite sayings, and I didn't have any context for it for a long time until I started understanding how the brain works, but um, Albert Einstein says it like this, logic will get you from A to B, imagination will get you everywhere. We have Mm -hmm. 75,000 thoughts in a day. 91% are the exact same thoughts that we had every single day. There's only 9% that didn't. And it's that 9% that gives us the difference between what what we're continuing to do every single day and an opportunity to do something different. So creating a, a new goal, I don't like to call them goals because how many times have we set a goal and not follow through? I like to call it a vision or something mm-hmm. bigger than that. Is to create something without logic and how. Is to use the imagination, to use the right side of the brain, use the conscious mind because the conscious mind is the one that's creative. The subconscious is the one that uses logic and how. So I needed to be able to create this vision that didn't have logic and how, but every time I went to go create a new goal, I was wanting, wanting to create logic and how. And the problem with using logic and how is where do they come from? They're measurements from the past. So if we grab logic and how and we carry it into the future, what do we get? <laughs> what we already have. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, we're not using that 9% outside of what we already have. So I got through with it, and then finally I got the conscious mind, and once the conscious mind starts blurting out everything and starts using that imagination, everything is powerful. It's just like a little kid. You ask a kid what he wants, he doesn't stop and question. He doesn't go back and go, well, let me uh, measure that. He just goes, what do you want? I want to be a fireman. What's your favorite color? Blue. I love chocolate. What do you want for lunch? I want chocolate and a bunny. There is no logic. He just, he'll tell you exactly what he wants, because guess what? He's thinking with the conscious mind. They get creative imagination. They can make, make pot, mud pies, and they actually see the mud pies. 
They mm-hmm. they grab a broom and 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 they they they'll call it a horse. They're riding a horse. It's what they see. It's because they're thinking that way. That's how the that's how their brain works. That's how our brain works too. But we just have to be able to use it in in the proper way. So creating that. So here's the key: creating something bigger than yourself that is your legacy. And what happens is when you get excited about that, there's a thing in the subconscious mind called the reticular activating system. And your reticular activating system is your emotional filter. It filters out stuff that's important to you. So I'll roll back to where I talked about the black Porsche 911 and the um, becoming a millionaire. When I was a young child, I became emotionally tied to those things. I didn't know about fulfillment or anything else. But it started directing me in that way. And what it did is it found my knack for communication and with sales. And it knew that that was the way that I was going to get to those two things. So, of course, what did I do? I did all those things. And, in fact, when I went to the, when I went to the dealership to buy that black Porsche 911, I believe everything in this world um, happens for a reason. Um, I went to that 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 Porsche or to that car dealership looking for a BMW uh, M3, and sure enough, what was in the what was in the showroom was a black Porsche 911 Turbo. And obviously, at that time, I didn't put two and two together that this was everything. Why I was doing what I was doing, I ended up doing it. I ended up getting it, bringing it home, and it was my my thing. And I and I made the million dollars, but it was my reticular activating system. I had thought about it so much that I was going to become a millionaire and that I was going to have a Porsche 911 that. My service mechanism, because that's what the subconscious mind is, it serves you up whatever it is that you want, good or bad. It knows no difference between good or bad. It just serves you what it believes to be. So having an emotional attachment to your outcome is super important because it activates the reticular activating system. And I talk about Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player in the world, as far as I'm concerned. They call him the GOAT, and there's a reason. I agree, 100%. There's a reason. Everyone's heard the story how Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team because he was too short. What they don't know, is, what most people don't know, is that when he went home that day and he cried, one of his best friends actually made the high school basketball team, and his name was Leroy Smith. And he vowed to make sure that that coach knew that it was going to be the biggest mistake he ever made by cutting him. And he had an emotional attachment now or what we call a hard-on for Leroy Smith making the team and him not. And here's the difference between emotional attachment and non-emotional attachment. When you're emotionally attached to things, adversity comes at you. It does. It's just part of life. Do you think Michael Jordan was, would, went from that day when he went home that all of a sudden he grew to six foot six? No, he was like five foot ten. Do you think he was benched and sat on the pine? Yeah. But do you think there was any amount of adversity that was going to come at him that was going to stop him from getting to be the best basketball player in the world? To this day, he's still the most competitive guy. People will tell, tell you about it, anything. He competes at every single thing. He missed free throws. He sat on the pine. He missed shots. But here was the thing. He didn't see them as anything. It was nothing. Because when you're emotionally tied to your end result, there's no amount of adversity that will stop you from getting what you want. And because you're, you're, when you understand how your subconscious works and the fact that it's a service mechanism, when you become emotionally tied to your result, it serves you up. It give, it first, it, it just directs you to what it is that you need. It's the map. It's the GPS. And I like to say it like this. Most people go through life on a road trip. They go, okay, we're going to go out on a road trip. Let's go for a trip down to the United States of America. And they hop out, <laughs> except for they don't have a map and they don't have a GPS. 
And they go for a long, long drive. And we represent the car. We are the car. And eventually we keep driving and driving and driving. We never get to our destination. And what happens to the car? It eventually breaks down. And there we are at 78, 82, 85 years old. And if you ever talk to old people or go to an old age home, you hear a lot of regrets. That's because no one had a destination. No one's taught this stuff. No one knows how to use your brain properly. You can use it as a powerful tool. But if you're not aware of how it works, guess what? It makes it impossible for you to do it. And instead, you're served up what I consider to be the matrix. You're served up what, what is given to us because when we consciously become available to that, that's what we think is reality. And we know no different. And no one makes us awareness. So awareness is the key. And I'm not sure if you know this, but The Matrix, the movie, is based on this. The Oracle is the superconscious. Um, Morpheus is the conscious mind. And the agent, who's the all-powerful one that runs 95% of it, is the subconscious mind. And that movie actually represents that. And if you watch the final trilogy, when the agent him, he grabs the guy's arm and all of a sudden he assumes the, the, the agent, that's when he takes power of the subconscious mind. Because once we become aware, or mindfulness as we say, become, become aware of the subconscious mind, we know that no longer has any power over us because we can consciously create a different emotion or a feeling. And in fact, when we consciously think about stuff, we can create our subconscious mind to be in line with our conscious mind. So then when we're not consciously thinking about stuff all the time, the subconscious just pops in with the exact same alignment as the conscious mind. Let me unpack some of this real quick, Jeff, because I was, as you were talking, uh, 100% in line with everything that you're saying. And many of the listeners who have been listening for any time knows, I mean, it's almost like I'm sitting here just getting an intervention for myself. But one of the questions that comes up is when you was talking about, well, if I consistently tell myself in my mind that I'm going to someday be a millionaire and have this car or this house or this life that I want, many people out there wanted that and want that, but never obtained it. And you answered my question. And my question was, and I want to make sure that the guys get this. So you guys, you can go back and listen to this again. And I want your thoughts on this, Jeff. But the answer was, you were, they are not emotionally attached to that decision, mm. to that want. And yeah, you can tell yourself that all day, all, all, all the time. Those are affirmations. The difference between affirmations and, and, um, incantations is that I can sit and tell myself all day, I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to be a millionaire or I am a millionaire, you know, however you want to do it. But you have to have that emotional attachment. That's what makes the difference. Thoughts on that? And well, and likely if someone says that they just say that they're a millionaire every day, I guarantee you they don't say that they're a millionaire every day because they don't Agreed. believe it to be true. So no one will exactly. actually take the motion to actually do it every single day because, because they know it's a lie. Not 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 only that, not only that, but but they 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 don't believe it. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it. And so, once again, if you don't believe that it's going to be reality, you're not going to say it to yourself every day because your reticular activating system isn't going to think that it's emo it's not emotionally tied to it. So you're just going to forget it. It's going to be like, oh, well, mm -hmm. I, I forgot it today. I'm not going to do it. And your emotional attachment is super important um, with with anything and activating. Well, this is the same reason that if somebody, let's say, for instance, has knows they, they, they need to lose weight, for instance, they need to get healthy, knows they need to quit smoking. Mm -hmm. Okay. And until the daughter, the, the six-year-old daughter comes home from school and says, Daddy, 
I'm scared because you're going to die because she just learned at school today that people who smoke get all these lung cancer, all this other kind of stuff and they die. And he, she, he says, no, baby, I'm not going to die. And he said, she says, yeah, you are because you smoke. Now that's an emotional attachment that before he said, I'm never going to quit smoking. But that one tiny little conversation hit him so emotionally. Well, it's because it's greater than himself. Exactly. As soon as it's something greater than yourself. So making an impact on this world. Being a millionaire, there's lots of miserable people that ended up becoming a millionaire. Yes, sir. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad, great book, talks about Mm -hmm. how rich kids grow up in rich families and they have money. And poor kids grow up in poor families and they don't have money. And how their IQ level doesn't even matter. You could have a really rich kid that grew up in, in money, and because subconsciously between zero and seven, he's downloaded the program that money is no an issue. He doesn't even, he unconsciously thinks of it. And remember, 95% of your brain, 95% of your decisions that you make in a day are from your subconscious mind. So he's making decisions on the fly based on finances that wouldn't, for, for a poor person, would be a struggle because they don't believe it to be true. They don't believe that they deserve money, the, the people that grew up in the poor families. So when you have a program, so wherever you're struggling in your life, you have a program that does not support what it is that you want. So running around saying that I, don't, that, that I want to be a millionaire, you have a program that says you're not going to be. For me, I was so emotionally distraught growing up, barely getting $100 for back-to-school clothes, seeing a life of welfare that I took the exact extreme other way. I became so emotional. Same with sports. I had to find my outlet. I was a very small fraction that took the other side of the, other side of the coin. Um, and, and quite honestly, I'm a very, very small portion because most people that grew up in the environment that I did usually end up on the streets, drug, alcohol, and uh, repeating that lifestyle again. I used it as fuel. And um, that emotional attachment, never wanting to be poor, was exactly what happened, and having that emotional attachment. So doing your affirmations, um, usually what I suggest to do is to write five things that you actually believe about yourself to be true, and writing a small essay about them, and listening to them every single day. I am love. Mm. Love is a super powerful one. I have, I, even to this day, I still struggle to, to take people's... Um, giving me feedback, like positive feedback and saying that you change lives because I have a hard time struggling myself with love and anything, anything that you're struggling with. Perfect example is put your arm out, ask somebody to pull your arm down and tell yourself that you love yourself. And if that person's able to pull your hand, push your hand down subconsciously, you don't love yourself. Hmm. It's actually, it's actually proven. Um, I learned that from, I I learned that from Mr. Uh, Bruce Lipton. Love that guy. Amazing stuff. Very cool. Very um, cool. But yeah, so yeah, absolutely. You have to believe it. Um, but you can make yourself believe it if you become emotionally attached to it. But you become emotionally attached to it, you'll repeatedly say it every single day. If you're not emotionally attached, you'll forget to say it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's yeah. the difference. And saying it with emotion. Yeah. So how, with all this amazing information and everything that you've learned and taught yourself and experienced in yourself, how are you paying it forward to others, and because I know you work a lot with entrepreneurs and and other folks, how specifically are you paying it forward, and what are some good news stories coming out of that? Um, well, I started a, a business accelerator incubator. It's not something that I actively go out there and advertise. It was actually people who came to me asking me for mentorship. So I put together an eight week program in order to create a permanent habit. Um, 
I know what the data is. It's 66 days. Doing something every single day for 66 days will form a habit. We are creatures of habit. We do things every single day already habitually. So I created an eight-week program. It's not quite 66 days, but it gets them through it. And uh, there's a cost to it, but I don't make it so outrageously expensive. It's my form of giving back. But I know in order for people psychologically to be attached to something, they need to invest a little bit in as well. So I put that through, and uh, my first two students um, created their vision, and within five months, they actually got their three-year vision, and they completely changed their life. Exercise is another part of my program. Um, you get a 30% increase in, in dopamine and momentum and, and getting what you want, and if you're not... Um, your most important thing in your life, if you want to get out there and make an impact on this world, is your health. Guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Because you'll never make the impact because guess what? We're like that car. Eventually it wears out. So if you're not taking care of that, your message isn't going to be spread. So part of that is is health, exercise, mindset stuff, affirmations, visions, legacy, um, who you surround yourself with because we have mirror neurons. <laughs> a, lot of, yeah, a, lot of people, yeah. a lot of people don't know this stuff. Um, and it's a powerful program. So that's my impact. And then I teach people how to build online businesses, but mine is from a mindset level because I'll, I'll be honest with you, business becomes really easy because adversity becomes easy when our mindset is there. That's the key. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. Uh, and, and it's proven time and time again. I mean, guys, if you put two people together, all things equal education, economics, the whole bit, uh, the one difference, one thing that makes the biggest difference is the mindset, uh, hands down every time. And this is my experience. Every time I go in and talk with a business owner, they know they need more leads. They need more conversions. They need some strategies to increase profits, all this kind of stuff. But nine times out of 10, I'm talk, we're talking about mindset. Yep. Uh, some of the stuff we've been talking about here today, because people just don't know this they, they focus on money don't want to take the time to learn it yeah they, yeah they focus on money they focus on the on the next client the next person walking in the front door that's exactly what they do um, but they they yeah. miss out on a, on a whole lot of other things i mean right right with what you're saying there um they they focus on the money they don't focus on problems you're paid in direct proportion to the amount of problems that you solve in this world people don't put it on that level and then your frontline employees are your most important as well what's the culture you're mm-hmm. creating do they love what they do are they working are they working with somebody or are they working for somebody? There's a great book actually. It's called Culture Code, and it talks mm-hmm, a lot about um, a lot about this stuff um, and 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 being connected with your people. But yeah, stop focusing on stop focusing on money and and start focusing on the problems on that you're going to solve. And the larger the problem that you solve, the more money you're going to make. Period. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Funny thing is, a lot of them focus on money, but they never look at the numbers. <laughs> no, they don't. Eat, well, they don't. <laughs> they don't know. They don't know. They don't know systems and processes at all. If you have no all. systems and processes in place, then you're you're driving your car blind. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent spot on. So, brother, we're at the point where we're going to pay it forward to our abundant leaders. You ready to do that? Sure, sounds great. Excellent. So, share one to three actionable steps that men of abundance can take today. Start figuring out where you're struggling in your life. Become aware of where you're struggling in your life because you have a program right now that does not support money, relationships, whatever that struggle is. Number two, once you have that down, I would suggest writing down five things that you really, really enjoy in your life, things that make you happy. And then once you, once you have those things down, 
start creating a vision or a life based around it. It's going to be a struggle because you're going to want to use logic and how. And I promise you that once you have those things that you really enjoy in your life and you make them as part of your your everyday life like it's not going to work, like it's not work, and you see that every single day and you read it every single day because you're emotionally attached to it because you love those things, the subconscious mind just serves you whatever it is you want. And in fact, here's something to test. If you don't believe me, um, here's a thing. This is actually a cool, uh, cool thing I'll, I'll touch base on before we go. Your brain knows no difference between imagination and reality. It doesn't. Whatever a man can conceive and believe, he can achieve. If you question that, go put some virtual reality goggles on and let me know what your central nervous system does. Mm. They're all attached. And in fact, one-third of your brain is actually designated to sight. So that vision, as I call it, when you write it down, all the things that you want, and you visualize it every single day, you get a stronger and stronger emotional attachment to it. And then your reticular activating system just goes out there, activates your subconscious mind to go and get it. And next thing you know, you're behaving differently, you're becoming different, you become a millionaire in your mind. And once you become a millionaire, then you can have all the things that a millionaire. And a mentor told me at one point, he's like, in order to be a millionaire, you have to be a millionaire. And I was like, what are you talking about? How can I be a millionaire? I don't have a million dollars. That's because you have to become the millionaire. There's a pattern. Once you become, there's a pattern of millionaires. And sure, there's financial stuff. Um, there's fulfillment levels. But there's a pattern that every single millionaire has. So when you become that millionaire mindset, as they call it, then guess what? The haves come because you already became it. <laughs> it's, a funny, yeah. it's, a, it's funny how that works. So if you followed those steps with the emotional attachment, you'll become whatever it is that you want. And then they, the haves come with it. And listen, guys, you know, we're talking a lot about money. That's the easy topic. That's the low hanging fruit, mm-hmm. quite frankly. And I know it's hard for many of you to believe that, but the same is true with relationships. If you know the perfect mate that you want, the perfect person in your life, not even uh, maybe a business relationship or a personal relationship, intimate relationship, you have to sit down and write down the traits of that individual. The next step is, what's the type of person that that person would want to connect with? That's what you have to work on. That's who you have to become. And you have to start starting these affirmations, incantations, visualizations, and meditate on that daily, regularly, several times a day. Mm-hmm. That's how you're going to get that, that perfect person in your life. Michael Jordan said in his last Sports Illustrated article, they asked him what made him such a great basketball player. He said, I played every game at least twice. Mm, that's deep, man. That gave me chills. Mm-hmm. No, seriously, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely awesome. I just told this, um, this, um, story the other day because I'm in a group of veterans that were working out a program to, uh, work with corporate level and, and veterans as well. And, um, um, resilience and, you know, just all the stuff we're talking about here, basically. And back in the early 90s, mid-90s, actually, I was in the 82nd Airborne Division. I was in Sinai, Egypt. And at the time, Colonel Petraeus, who retired General Petraeus, many people know that name, David Petraeus, he was my brigade commander. And there was this competition, this four skills competition that's like five days long. 14 years straight, Fiji Battalion has won this thing. And Colonel Petraeus was dead set on us winning this year. And I cannot, I have not confirmed this, although I've seen Tony uh, Robbins face to face at one of his events. I think they, because I know Tony was hired back then and paid a lot of money to go around and work with military. And this big guy 
who I can I imagine is was Tony Robbins, walked us through a visualization of us going through each and every obstacle, going through every single test, running our you know the track, sitting down with our you know laying down with our weapon, mm-hmm. focusing on our on our breathing, squeezing the trigger, seeing the target, all of this visualization, and we won that competition that year. First time in 14 years. And just just so people understand the actual biological reason, um, Research Quarterly did um, a study back many, many years ago, and it was actually based on free throws of all things. And they took three groups. The first group, they said, okay, on the first and the 20th day, we're going to measure how much, how much greater, how good, how good are you at just doing a free throw sh- shot? So, and in the 18 days in between, you're going to go out there and you're going to practice for 20 minutes a day. That was the first group. The second group, same thing. We're going to test you physically on the first and the 20th day, see how good you are at free throw shots. And in between, you're not going to, sh- you're not going to shoot any. The third group, what they did is they, they, they said, we're going to test you on the first and the 20th day, but you're going to practice 20 minutes a day in your mind. And this is a real, this is real. This mm-hmm. is a real stat. Um, the first group had a 24% increase. The second group that did no free throw shots had a 0% increase. And the third group had a 23% increase. And the reason being is your central nervous system doesn't know the difference. Whatever it sees and believes, right? If anyone read Think and Grow Rich, which kind of speaks in circles once you get the secret, once you figure this out, it'll change your life. Mm-hmm. Whatever it sees and believes, it can achieve because it already sees it. And because your central nervous system's attached to it, it's like practice. It's like you've already done it. It doesn't, it doesn't decipher between physically doing it and mentally doing it. That's the secret mm-hmm. behind it. So if you sit there and you visualize throwing the basketball for 20 minutes a day every day, it sees it because you can physically see the basketball. You can physically see the net. You can physically see its roll. You can physically see it on your hands. It's no different than holding the basketball, and people don't understand it. This is actually a very powerful, powerful powerful play. Michael Phelps won eight eight gold medals because he used to do this. He used to smell the chlorine. He used to feel himself going against the wave. He used to see himself at the end of the podium with the gold medal. And guess what? His body just naturally acted to it because it already believed it was the reality and the mm-hmm. truth, and it had already practiced it. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. It absolutely 100% works. And I love that you put the science behind it because I have these conversations all the time, and I'm a believer. And people who pray, you know, you believe and you you give credit to God. But I like to talk on both sides of that because the folks that don't necessarily believe that prayer is the cause, the fact of the matter is whether you believe it or not, the stuff works. 100%. You don't have to believe. It just works. So just do it, guys. Yo, you'll, be- you'll believe it at once, you, once you do it a few times and you're like, oh, my God, I was just – I got better at that and I didn't even do oh, absolutely. anything. Yeah, absolutely. And anyone anyone that wants to challenge that, like I said, go put on some virtual reality goggles mm-hmm. and let me know what your central nervous system does. Oh, yeah. And you know, consciously, you, you literally consciously know that it's not real. You consciously know that you are not about to go skydiving or go on some crazy or some murderous clowns are going to go. You put that on there, uh-uh. Your central nervous mm-hmm. says, uh, that's real. As a matter of fact, as soon as we're done with this conversation, me and my middle son are getting in the car and we're driving down to Orlando and going to uh, Universal Studios. (laughs) And a couple of the rides down there, like the Harry Potter ride, a lot of those rides these days, the the Fast and Furious ride, you're sitting in a bus, it's moving, rocking back and forth, you're physically going nowhere, Mm -hmm. but there's cameras on both, there's videos on both sides, and you've got all this stuff, and you're dodging this and dodging that, and you know you're just sitting in a room. 
not moving. You know consciously, so like but God. subconsciously you don't. And you got to remember that your program, 95% of it comes from where? The unconscious, the subconscious. Mm -hmm. It's the one that's yeah. there to protect you. So it's unconsciously noticing stuff, even though, um, because it's looking based on senses, like eyes, ears, mm -hmm. nose. That's how, it, that's how it works. Your conscious mind isn't in control of that stuff. Your subconscious is. Big difference. People don't know that. Absolutely, man. You've already mentioned quite a few. I know you do your meditation in the morning and all that stuff, but what other rituals make the biggest impact in your life? Well, the meditation, the affirmations, the I am's, um, being present, um, your vision, reading your vision every single day. Actually, a good, a good one is to actually take your vision or your goal and turn it into a theater. So you turn it into um, an actual video and get your voice over because then your senses really get going because it hears you yeah. and you see yourself already having it. You become part of it. And really inexpensive. You can get somebody to do something like that for a hundred bucks. Grab a bunch. I saw a couple of years, I saw like a year ago, there was actually a company out there and I don't know if they're still out there, but they did that. They would put your vision and your, and your affirmations and all that stuff into a video. Really nice. Very, very powerful. Hugely impactful. Yeah. Hugely yeah, impactful. That's cool. That's something very neat. So you've mentioned quite a few books, many of which I've already read personally, but what other books would you like to mention that uh, our leaders should read or listen to? The most powerful book, if you really want to know it, is, is for me, is Psycho-Cybernetics. Everything mm -hmm. is, self, is, is, is your self-identity. You can't be anything outside of who you believe yourself to be. And who you believe yourself to be, quite, quite often, if you aren't aware of it and haven't changed it, is that little boy or little girl between the ages of zero and seven and the identity of the people, places in the world around you that you assumed is fact. You didn't even get to choose your identity, by the way. That's the craziest thing. You assumed, mm -hmm. you assumed somebody else's identity. And when you become aware of that, so it talks about visualizations, theater of the minds, if you want to become something different than who you are. And the reason that Maxwell Maltz wrote that book is because he was a plastic surgeon and he had a large amount of people that kept coming back to him that were really struggling after he made them look exactly like they said they want to look. And it's no different than a bulimic person. You can tell a bulimic person they're not fat, but when they look in the mirror, they actually absolutely see themselves as fat. So who you think you are is actually what you are. Who you believe yourself to be is who you believe yourself to be, and you act out in that way. So that was a great book. Um, Biology of Belief, uh, Bruce Lipton, very powerful. He's a Newtonian physicist, moved to quantum physics, who started doing studies based on vibrations, genes, genetics, and what we believe ourselves to be true. And the FDA, still to this day, they do a lot of drug tests. Um, they test drugs. And the funny thing is the drugs works as often as the belief does because the sugar pill gets mm. the exact same results as the actual drug itself. So what you believe to be true is 100% the truth. You can actually heal yourself. I don't know if anyone's ever watched a heal documentary. There's something pharmaceuticals don't want you to know. 100% 100 they don't want to know. <laughs> Literally, it's proven. You can go look it. And in, in, in fact, they're actually fighting to take that off the table so that they're no longer going to test with the sugar pills. I mean, yeah. think about that. People are getting the exact same results believing that they're actually taking the drug as the people that are taking the drug. And this is a fact. Like, you can go read the study. This is a fact. You can go find these facts, right? That's the power of belief. And epigenetics is the next greatest thing. Your genes do not... The, way, the reason I don't go to see doctors and stuff like that, because they believe that the way your genes are are the way your genes are. 
No, your mm-hmm. genes are activated based on your environment. And here's a study that happened that, that oh. they all talked about, that they all talked about. They, this, this literally was a big thing. They talked about people who were psychopaths. And they, they came out and they nationally put it out there. They were like, oh, we found, we found the gene that causes people to become psychopaths. It's the gene. This is the gene. And of course, that's what they put out there in the publicity, right? Because when you control the media, you control yeah. the message, right? That's right. the message that goes out there. What they failed to say was they also took, they also did the exact same, they, they, they took genes from other people and they found the same gene in people that weren't psychopaths. And you want to know what the difference was between the two of them? And in fact, one was on the far other side than the other. The ones that grew up in a household that was highly abusive, sexuality, physicality, all that stuff, it actually activated the gene. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of the coin, the people that had the gene that grew up in a loving, caring family were actually on the exact opposite. They were extremely docile human beings. Yeah. So that tells you right now, we, we, our, our environment that we're in directly, because we, we, are, we are 50 trillion cells working in harmony in ourselves. You realize that? We are all one. We are all one. If you take an atom and you go right down deep down to the middle of it, guess what's there? Nothing. Mm-hmm. It's energy. We are all one. So yeah, this is a conversation that I had. It just drives me nuts, man. We are so in line with this because I was talking to a guy, this was a couple of years ago, but even when I'm talking, every time you go to a doctor, they talk about, well, is there anybody in your family who oh. had cancer and blah, blah, blah. And I was talking to this guy who's uh, for life insurance, right? And I was like, well, yeah, my, my mother died from cancer. Okay, so that's a problem. I was like, well, wait a minute. Why is that a problem exactly? Well, because it's in your genes. I was like, no, wait a minute. My mother smoked her entire life until the point that she was told she had lung cancer. She quit that day. I've never smoked a day in my life. Mm-hmm. And then same thing, you know, these genetics and all this other kind of stuff. I was like, wait a minute. Exactly what you said, environment. So black people, for instance, have high blood pressure. It's Everybody knows it. But if you look at the people that have high blood pressure, you look at their lifestyle. the way they were brought up, eating lifestyle, eating pork, eating fats, eating this, eating that. When you get out of that environment, guess what? You change your future. You change your diet. You change your lifestyle. More, more importantly, most... Yeah, more importantly, most people most people think that high fats and stuff like that are actually the cause of heart problems, and it's actually it's 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 actually not. It's it's the mixture of fats with a high sugar diet, because what happens is the sugar molecules glom to the uh, the actual fat molecules, and then they stick to the artery walls. So it's actually sugar. In fact, a high a high carbohydrate diet, simple simple carbohydrate diet. Um, that is the cause of a lot of problems. But once again, we go to what the doctors... Not to mention inflammation, and I know that. When I'm, when I'm on a sugar binge, my joints are just tore up. Brother, I can continue yeah. this conversation all freaking day, man, because I am loving this. You and I are going to be talking much more here in the future, I know for a fact, because we are so in line. What do you feel holds most people back? And you've already pretty much bring this up, but let's bring it in, narrow it in right here. What do you feel holds most people back from living a life of true abundance? Belief. Yeah. Yeah. That sums it all down to one word. Absolutely agree. And guys, if seriously, we've been having this conversation all day long, man. And it's just, there's, there's no doubt about that. What does being a man of abundance mean to you, Jeff? Working for something bigger than yourself, right? I'm, I'm part of my mm-hmm. affirmations every day is my income will always be in direct proportion to the value that I bring to people's lives. Mm. I say that every single day. <laughs> so abundance, abundance is by me supplying abundance to others and being, sharing my message. 
um, of creating awareness, right? Because when you become different, you attract different. They also believe you to be different. And when you show up differently, other people show up differently. So you become, you become the person that people look at as an example, and then naturally they want to. No one wants to be told, just show up differently, become different. Understand that you care and you love every single person, no matter. Don't take everything personal from everybody. Four agreements. Yeah. Be impeccable with your word. Most people don't understand this, but if you're not impeccable with your word, it leads to guilt, frustration, because when you say something and you don't do it, the way your mind works, the way your subconscious works, people use what they call non-committal language for this reason. When you say something and you don't follow through with it, what does it lead to? Guilt, frustration, um, you defer stuff, and it leads you back to that place of who you are. When you're impeccable with your word, right? It creates momentum for you. It means you stand for something. There is no guilt, frustration, any of that stuff. You don't have to use the, I'll try, maybe, I hope. That language is used like almost explicitly all the time because it's non-committal. It means that if you don't follow through with it, your subconscious will not go into guilt because it doesn't matter if you achieve it or not. And it's actually something yeah. that our subconscious use to protect us and we don't even know we're doing it. Absolutely. Absolutely correct, man. So we are going to have jeffhughes.com linked up in the show notes. How else would you like for our abundant leaders to get more of you and learn more about you and connect with you? Well, I'm just about to launch a bunch of campaigns. You're going to see lots of content videos, lots of the brain stuff. Um, I'll be holding webinars on how to build online businesses, but the online business is a very small fraction. The big portion is getting your, your, your head right. Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, my YouTube channel is being built right now. So you're going to see a ton of content coming out here. Um, and so I'd be happy to connect with uh, lots of people and I'll be actually putting up my own podcast here pretty quick too. Excellent, man. I look forward to that. So make sure I get all of those links and I will have all that linked up in the show notes, guys. So you can go there and connect with Jeff and uh, get more of this because I just can't get enough of it. I'm just absolutely love it, man. So, Jeff, I want you to go out, live your life of abundance, man. Keep paying it forward. You're making a huge difference, and uh, I'm digging it, man. Thank you. All right, guys. So your action step for today, probably a couple of them actually, is one, to pay attention to what gets you emotionally charged. If what you're doing as a vocation does not get you emotionally charged, just consider making some changes. I know that's not easy because that's the way that's your way of life right now. However, you can start doing the things that do get you emotionally charged, that do get you excited, that get you pumped up. You can start doing that when you're not at your job, on the weekends, in the afternoon, in the evening, during your lunch hour or lunch 30 minutes, whatever the case may be, that's what so many people have done to get out of what was known as the rat race or the rut or whatever it is that you're in so that you can start actually enjoying life. Imagine that concept, actually enjoying life while doing what it is that you do to make a few bucks so that you can sustain your current lifestyle and start growing your resources, being more abundant in your resources and who you are and in your relationships and everything else so that you can start enjoying life to the fullest. Now, the other action step is what I started this conversation with today, which is to ensure that you're not stressing yourself out just because of gifts that you feel that you need to get that are out of your resources and just to make somebody else happy. You are not responsible for other people's happiness. 
Only they are responsible for their own happiness. Anything you purchase for somebody is not truly going to make them happy in the long run. What is going to make them happy is the time that you spend and actually caring about them enough to know that you cannot put yourself in the hole to try to make somebody else happy. I hope all that makes sense and I hope you take action because this information is extremely powerful but it means absolutely nothing unless you take action on it. Now, go out and live your life of abundance and make sure to pay it forward. That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance.